Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. This week we're speaking to Yope Janssen, Managing Director and Owner of Yope Holding and Chairman of the Board at Rhoda Yacy Kirkrad Football Club. Based over in the Netherlands, Yope has held a number of board and management positions within the broadcasting space, forming a massively successful career over his 25 years in the industry. Hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome to the In The Hub podcast, Yope. How, how are you doing today? I'm very good, uh, Neil. How are you? Yes, yeah, not too bad. Thank you, Matt. And thanks for asking as well, Yope. Um, so just before we do get started in the kind of main questions that we've got for you here, could you just fill us in on how you got started in the broadcasting industry? Well, Neil, that's many moons ago. Um, but uh, I, actually, I was uh, recruited directly from university um, into a pan-UK European project. It was called Eureka 95. And I was recruited by Philips Electronics in the Netherlands. Um, the aim of the project was to come up with a new TV standard uh, for the whole of Europe uh, and maybe for the whole of, of the world based on a high definition picture quality standard. So that was quite excited. It was a very well funded project in those days um, from research in video processing, compression technologies, all the way to the whole transmission side of things. And uh, and so I got, I got involved as a design engineer, a system design engineer into that project. Um, and money was no, no problem. Uh, we could build prototypes and everything uh, from, from cameras all the way to recording to transmission. Um, and, uh, and I was also lucky to be uh, the representative for Philips Electronics in the EU standardization bodies. So I got involved in early days already with uh, the BBCs, the state broadcasters in general, the EBU around the standardization of that new TV high definition standard. So, so that was quite exciting. And I learned a lot from the whole space just in one year. So uh, it was a very exciting time. So, and maybe that was uh, because it was such a fantastic first year that got me hooked on to, to the industry for a very long time. So after that, uh, I got involved um, in the first direct-to-home satellite broadcasting. Uh, I was heading up a, a factory and an R&D center in France where we uh, developed and shipped uh, the first uh, complete satellite uh, systems from MPEG encoders, so the first digital encoders, um, with the multiplexing and everything to uh, Canal Plus, for example, in France, DirecTV in, in the US, uh, Mayasat in Malaysia, CCTV in China. And it was the first kind of direct-to-home satellite uh, uh, systems in, in the world. So that was quite exciting uh, in the mid-90s. I was in the middle, um, mostly out of US, um, uh, running the, the North America operation in the merge of Bosch tel Television, uh, the German part, together with uh, Philips Transmission Products, where I came from originally, uh, as well as then uh, being bought by Thomson Multimedia and then buying Grass Valley Group all in, almost in the same year. So it was a big 
merge of uh, a lot of different brands and a lot of different cultures in, in, in one go. And I, I did that from, uh, with some colleagues from, uh, from the US. Um, and then I came back to, to Europe or UK in this case. And uh, I, I lived for nine years in Cambridge, UK. Uh, and okay. I was yeah. uh, uh, heading up the video camera accessory group in the Vitec group um, with a lot of brands uh, listed on the on the London uh, Stock Exchange, uh, winning the Queen's Award for Innovation, uh, winning a technical Emmy with one of the product lines. So that, that was exciting as well. And uh, in the last few years, I, I was the CEO of EVS, the um, the highlight and uh, and slow mo uh, live production leader in uh, in the marketplace, especially sports. And then the last few years, I, I get more involved in startups. So uh, I uh, maybe I'm I'm reversing the my career from a typical uh, where you start in startups and then grow to uh, to bigger bigger things. I, I actually. Uh, uh, I'm very keen on uh, on working with startups on some new technologies. And so the last one was in California with a company called Aperi, now part of uh, NetInsight that uh, pioneered uh, ultra-low latency uh, video processing software platforms. So that's, uh, so that's kind of uh, in a large nutshell, uh, <laughs> in a longer uh, nutshell kind of what... what uh, what of how I started and uh, and why I'm still excited about the industry. Yeah, it, it's tough to cover all of that, you know, simply because you've done so much. And, and like you said, you started off on these kind of landmark projects. Um, and I do agree with the sentiment at the end there that, that people who've kind of been to the very top of the industry, it always seems like they gravitate back down towards these startups. And, and like you said, I don't know whether it's the excitement or, or that kind of drive to, to be an entrepreneur again. But I, I think it's a great place to be in. Uh, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you've always kind of been a sportsman. You, you've been sports driven. Um, obviously, you know, back in the professional kind of volleyball player days and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's fair to say you've always, always had quite a, a vivid interest in sports as well. So was it always going to be a no brainer for you to get involved with, with the sports side of broadcasting? Was that always going to be a given for you? I think so. I think so. Although the companies I worked for, um, uh, they were always involved in the technology behind the, the sports broadcasting. Uh, um, but I was always uh, personally very fascinated by the storytelling of TV, you know, of sports. Um, what is the real story of the game? And, uh, and what is behind the athletes' emotions really when it's when, when, you know, when the pressure is up, like a Wimbledon final, you know, break point, uh, break point on the set or something like that. How can you capture that story and that story of the athlete uh, and of the fans and maybe of the coach or the manager um, and how to give tools to the producer director and the director to, uh, to really uh, capture that and bring that uh, live uh, across the world. So that that's always has been my drive, knowing that I've been as a as a youngster, I've I've been on that pitch, and uh, and uh, and there is there is a big story um, and an individual story and a team story and uh, etc. That 
sometimes you know uh, is not covered that well and so being able via technology to make that happen is uh, yeah it's it really excites me yeah i think it's almost like you've got this unique perspective you you know exactly what's going on down on that pitch you know what those players are feeling almost um i think it almost gives you this unique perspective to be able to to you know plan these projects better and, and manage these projects better just just knowing what goes into it as well i think that's a, a great point um so yeah, obviously you've had a number of kind of board positions and, and roles within various companies in our space. Um, you know, as you as you were talking about a little bit earlier, has there been a kind of a, a particular highlight project that you've worked on in your career? Um, and I, I don't want you to kind of single out a favourite here. I, I don't want to cause any issues, <laughs> but you know, has there been one that has particularly been for you? You know, really a source of passion for you? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to to mention two, if I may, um, just one very quickly. Uh, I think the first uh, direct to home um, satellite broadcasting, where uh, we had a full digital uh, video processing chain, including um, digital rights management. So I was the engineer that uh, uh, was asked to uh, to show it at the uh, World Expo in Seville in Spain, uh, first direct transmission from Wimbledon, uh, the final, um, with a, a, a full digital chain and uh, and having a smart card uh, and to show to people coming by and say, hey, now you're watching the final. Uh, it was Boris Becker against somebody. And now I, I pull out uh, this card, this 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 uh, subscription card, and now you don't see anything. And it was kind of a very uh, trivial uh, demonstration, but uh, there was a lot of technology uh, behind it, and uh, and it all worked, you know, uh, in 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 that setting. So I have vivid memories of uh, of being you know being there to uh, to show that for the first time in uh, in the world, probably in, in the world, yeah. But the, the, a big project that I think uh, also comes back to my sports background is uh, the FIFA World Cup in, in Rio 2014, where uh, under the leadership of the FIFA, uh, EVS, the company um, out of uh, Belgium, uh, worked with partners like AWS and Aspera and a few others on a digital live service whereby video clips, um, including six to eight uh, camera angles, were produced and distributed to, to millions uh, over the air uh, via the cloud. And, and this is within a minute or so uh, after a goal or a red card. So imagine that you, you get a clip of uh, the goal of, uh, of England, right, uh, in, the, in the World Cup, and within a minute on your uh, iPad, and you can choose your camera angle yourself yeah. right, behind the goal, um, from, from behind the player. You can see the reaction of the manager or of the celebrity on the, in, in the stadium. And you can slow-mo it yourself um, over and over again to see was it a handball or a Maradona handball? <laughs> it was a little bit earlier, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, and that was something really special. And um, it was a great FIFA service and uh, it really enhanced the ratings of, uh, of, 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 the, uh, of the matches uh, tremendously because yeah. uh, fans were more, uh, uh, sitting in the living room, were more engaged 
actively into the game. What is happening instead of sitting back and just listening to the linear yes. broadcast? Yeah. And uh, so that that was a great thing and very challenging to do that on a, on a uh, on a one event basis in Brazil and having that covered around the world from subscription subscribers in Hong Kong in Japan and everywhere over the world so uh, so that uh, from a volume and a technology point of view that was quite exciting and i think uh, a, a trend a new trend uh, in broadcasting that uh, i think we'll we'll see more and more next to and in addition to the linear broadcasting yeah no definitely that was revolutionary for the time wasn't it and and well done to you guys for, for getting that going and, and getting that yeah. you know on the world stage basically if we just move into to yope holding uh yope which is obviously your your the kind of managing director the owner of, of yope holding what is the purpose of, of this company and, and what do you guys specialize in yeah we are in in strategic advisory um interim management investments as well uh, so we'll look at startups or at uh, scale-ups um, both in the media and telco space huh? so my traditional uh, uh, areas but recently also in the medical technology field as well. Um, so we help companies in turnarounds, uh, uh, spin-outs, uh, fundraisings, M&A, strategic roadmaps. Uh, hey, we have a new technology. How do we change our, uh, our way of going to market, um, et cetera? Uh, so it's, it's great. And so one of the, the projects I'm, I'm personally doing via your polling is uh, working on a, a potential spin out of a fantastic new software platform for content automation and orchestration. There, there are many, but there is a, uh, a very, I think a very pure and a new and a native cloud way to, um, to, to do content automation and orchestration. And this company is very well established and is seeing how that platform that unique approach from a technology side how that transforms even the company in in total on who they are and where they should be and uh, and so that's that's very exciting and uh, and i think they will reinvent themselves via the technology into a completely different company and i'm helping them to uh, to uh, to make to hopefully the right choices right <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like great stuff. You open it. It's it's it must be quite exciting for you to be in in the midst of all that change and and stuff like that. Do you think change is, you know, technological change and change itself? Do you think that's something that you enjoy, you know, managing and, and advising on? Exactly, and and especially then, you know, what does that mean for for the business or for what you want to achieve as the owner of that new technology, yeah. uh, which is sometimes the the missing part because. You see a lot of, uh, uh, I have an engineering background, but I'm, I'm not as creative and inventive as a lot of other uh, uh, people and in, in, in individuals in the industry. But they often miss them, okay, well, but then I need to change what I'm doing because if I continue what I'm doing from a business perspective, I'm not maximizing my, uh, my opportunities or... I'm missing completely the boat and I actually all the creativity and the new ideas get actually wasted um, because I'm not good at the rest of it, the commercial side or, or what, whatever it is. And so, uh, 
So that's why I get a lot of excitement out. To, I understand the technology very well uh, and can make them that bridge to uh, to the market. And uh, I think as a person, yeah, you're either completely scared of change and you, you hate change or like you clearly are, you know, excited to just embrace it and, and get on with it, basically. I think that's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, we, we've tried shows and exhibitions officially coming back this year. Do you think you're going to have a presence at these events, whether that be as an exhibitor or just an attendee? And and do you think it's important for companies to kind of get straight back involved with these events after the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's an important question for the industry, but uh, also for IBC and NEB, for example, but also for uh, for the suppliers and, uh, and, and all the stakeholders in the broadcast industry. And it's, it's not a... Uh, a straight answer, but I, th- I think so, that that people uh, should come back and uh, it's beneficial to uh, to bring these uh, shows back up uh, where, where they were. However, I think the interaction will change. So um, people will come to the shows with a, a different mindset and, uh, and I think it's important that the shows, but also the suppliers and, and customers um, are well aware of that and adapt to that. And I would certainly um, recommend that the, the digital remote engagement is, is, not, uh, is not stopped, right? Everybody has uh, ramped that up uh, with webinars and, and live shows uh, online, etc. I think that's here to stay and will complement uh, the trade shows or the trade shows will complement the, the, you know, the online presence. So there is where the change will be. Um, and, and so maybe you will get uh, different audiences uh, coming to your booth. And, uh, and, uh, but I think, it, um, I think it's important that, uh, and especially with all the change happening in the industry, uh, we are not change is not coming. We are in the middle of change, and if if you if you don't get that, then you have to go to the trade show to get confronted with uh, with uh, with that uh, news. So uh, so I think it's uh, it's important. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I'm quite excited to see how it uh, would prosper in a kind of hybrid world. So, like you said, you know, this mixture of digital content as well as the in-person stuff, uh, you know, for the people that are particularly keen to, to get back in those those trade shows um, and back in that, that kind of atmosphere. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be exciting to see, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to slip in a question about your position of, of chairman of the board um, at Rhoda Yacy Kirklad Football Club, um, obviously based over in, in the Netherlands. Are there any kind of parallels that you can draw between your position at, at the football club um, and, and your previous positions within the broadcast industry? Uh, you know, are there any kind of similarities in, in the position you hold there and, and any projects that you've done throughout your career? Yeah, I did, uh, my chairman position is a non, non-executive, but of course it helps um, to know the sports media landscape uh, uh, very well and how, how money flows in, in that world. Um, but like, like the media space, uh, football clubs needs need to reinvent themselves. Um, 
and to a large extent, because the changing behavior of fans and viewers is very similar. Um, so, you know, how, how to create a sustainable business model. As you know, uh, apart from maybe the Premier League, most uh, football clubs are not very well funded uh, and have uh, difficulty to, uh, to break even, uh, if that. So with the, uh, the changing behaviors of fans and, uh, and, and the amount of choices, uh, the vast amount of choices that uh, fans have, to either go to the match uh, or the game, uh, consume uh, online, etc. It's uh, it's very important that uh, as a football club you 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 start to picture that and see how you can resonate with uh, the changing behavior and uh, create a business model that is actually sustainable and profitable um, or at least break even for football clubs. So I, I see there the similarity because. A lot of the suppliers in the media uh, space, technology space, will have to reinvent and are reinventing themselves because of IP, because of everything going to the cloud, because of the software, um, because more and more it's live. And so ultra low latency of, of your products is very important. So it, that's where I see a lot of uh, similarities. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and with kind of sports obviously resuming mostly back to normal now um, after COVID-19, do you think that the current model of sports broadcasting and, and rights holding, do you think that's still sustainable? I know we've seen it change a little bit. Um, and do you think it could be made you know, any easier or, or more profitable for both consumers and, and the clubs that you talk about? Yeah, I think, I think there... Um... That, uh, uh, like many other industries, um, the connection between athletes, clubs, leagues, and the fans and the viewers will be more direct and more personalized. Um, so uh, either that means that some of the, the rights holders uh, uh, will be cut out or, or will have to present themselves differently. Um, you see, for example, with the zone uh, as a sports uh, content provider, um, it will be more personalized. And uh, I think the interactivity part, which is typically not part of broadcast, huh? uh, will, will, uh, but we see that in gaming and esports and the connection with live content. Uh, and I know of uh, quite a few experiments that uh, UEFA and, and other sports uh, leagues are, uh, are, are involved with. That will, will, will be part of the future. But that direct connection between fans and, and the athlete or the team or, uh, or the league will be, uh, will be paramount. And so everybody in that chain needs to adapt and see what their added value is, and uh, and and then um, and run with it. So it will be very interesting to see that uh, development. Uh, it will not be fast. You know, sometimes it will be fast, sometimes not. There's a lot of money involved, a lot of stakes, a lot of uh, long-term contracts involved. So there will be some slowness in it, but the underlying current is uh, is 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 very. I think very prominent. Yes, 
And yeah, I, I really just wanted to get your kind of insight on that, you know, obviously with, with everything that you've been through in terms of sports and sports broadcasting. I think that was really interesting to see what 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 you think about that and the current state of of you know sports broadcasting in general as well. Um, so Yope, if you could sum it up in one word and one word only, what do you envision for the future of the broadcasting industry? Yeah, that one word. You uh, that that's always sir, <laughs> uh, and that's the trick question. Uh, can the, uh, can catch people and, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people think too much about it. Some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, if I may cheat a little bit, um, but personalized and interactive are the two words, um, and uh, content engagement. So, and and engagement is the interactivity uh, is is very important and. Uh, yeah, my my only message uh, I have to to all my clients and 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 to my friends is get with it. You know, don't don't stare at it that it's something in the future. It it's here already. And uh, go to some uh, some some esports events uh, and see what's happening behind uh, behind uh, the curtain. It's uh, it's tremendous and. So that's, yeah, if I cheat, uh, I, I use two words. <clears throat> I'll allow it today, yeah, put me in a good mood. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and like you said, you, you see some of these esports events and, and if you're not particularly, uh, you know, involved in that industry, it just looks worlds apart, doesn't it? And, and the way they do things, it's just so embedded in, in the future um that it's just amazing to watch sometimes and i do like esports content um yeah i think it's brilliant what what those guys are mostly doing over there um so just to finish on then yo are there kind of any exciting plans in the pipeline for you that you can talk to us about apart from seeing my kids in australia and uh, and the states um because that's of course uh not very uh, uh very nice but um yeah, seeing this unique content uh, automation software platform uh, really come to uh, to life and uh, get in the marketplace either via spin out or uh, or in, in another form format. But uh, um, and as I mentioned, I I get involved in some other industries as well, um, mostly locally here where I live uh, in the Netherlands, um, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's 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 working with the VCs and private equity um, on some new tech startups, um, and I'm concentrating uh, for part of my time on on circular economy, uh, so more environmental uh, recycling, sustainability. I get involved in uh, regenerative uh, medicines. Uh, some, oh, brilliant! Some, yeah very cool technology that uh, really helps uh, certainly with the pandemic and and so on but really helps um, the uh, the health of uh, of, of people um, and uh, at the same time um, uh, adds to the circular economy that which is of course one of the most important things in life uh, for the generation for the current generation but the, certainly for the generations to come yeah. so uh, so that's 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 a, a good mix of uh, of activities that I uh, I'm involved with. Yeah, it's some great causes there, Yop. And obviously, it just, it's just nice to hear that you've got so much exciting stuff on. Um, you know, so much during during the pandemic, it was so uncertain, and people just weren't sure what was going on. It's it's nice to hear that we're coming out at the end of it, um, and people have got a lot of exciting things on. 
And yeah, fingers crossed, restrictions lift, you'll be able to see your kids soon as well. Hopefully. Yeah. I, feel, yeah. I feel like it's the light at the end of the tunnel now, isn't it? With, with the vaccines and everything. I think we're, we're, you know, definitely coming to the end, I hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I need to get on that Blue Origin uh, uh, space rocket uh, to get uh, <laughs> yeah. to get over. Yes. I think yeah, we yeah. all will. Um, so, Yop, how can people get in touch with you personally if they, if they want to have a chat or they're interested in, in any of the services that you provide? Yeah, probably best is either my LinkedIn profile, um, which is uh, J-O-O-P Jensen, J-A-N-S-S-E-N, or via email, JJ at uh, Y-O-A-P holding, one word, dot com. Awesome. So, yeah, we'll, we'll link to your LinkedIn profile in the description on the podcast as well. So any listeners on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, check out the description and we'll, we'll have a link to Yope's LinkedIn profile there. So thank you very much, Yope, for, for taking the time out this morning and, and coming on to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. It was delighted. Yeah. Thank you very much, Yope. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.